Unity in relationships, plurality is massive in the Bible. You know, you know, you only have to look at, you know, you've got one God, three persons. Old Testament, you know, one nation, 12 tribes. And New Testament, one sacrifice for all mankind in Christ. You know, it's, a very, it's very, very fitting on Remembrance Sunday to be looking at, at, at the, the global church. The fact that we are united under one great God who sent his son Jesus Christ uh, to walk this earth to, to pay the price that you and I uh, should be paying so that we have eternity with him. And, uh, and the theme of, of everyone being welcome and of new standings because of Jesus is where we're going to land this morning as we look at Philemon. Okay, uh, A quick background to Philemon. Um, some of you will be, be impressed with this. It's the shortest of Paul's writing. <laughs> Don't, that doesn't mean to say the, the preachers are any shorter, but so there's a groan. But it is the shortest of the writings. Jim, behave. Okay? Uh, British scholar Lightfoot, who I read quite a bit actually, come across a bit. He, he describes it as like this. He says, it's infinitely precious. And he goes on to say, nowhere in, is the social influence of the gospel more strikingly exerted. Nowhere does the nobility of the apostle's character receive a more vivid illustration than in his pleading on behalf of a runaway slave, which is part of the, the theme of the, book, of, of the letter. Sorry. And Philemon, it's a, it's a personal letter. It's written by, from Paul to Philemon. It's not a private letter, though. You know, it's a personal, but not private. Uh, it's written on, to friends. They had a relationship. They were both Christians as well. Um, Philemon, from what we can gather, is a man of some standing, um, it talks about church in his house, so you know there's some things there. You know, his house was in Colossae, which for those of you who are intelligent, you can probably do, do the, 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 the joining of dots from Colossae to Colossians. You know, there's a book there that Paul would write, so there's links in there. Um, and it's apparent that throughout the book that, uh, that one of Philemon's slaves, a guy called Omnesius, uh, has run away. And somehow in that runaway has encountered Paul, uh, has also encountered Jesus, has, has turned his life to, to, to him. Paul's obviously had some work in the mentoring there. Um, and now Paul is, is obviously loving Amnesius, but he's also aware of his obligation to return him to Philemon. And, uh, and we'll expand that in a couple of weeks' time. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But it's a whole different cultural shift. From my little Ben Clark... <laughs> lived most of my life in, in Essex <laughs> to in the 21st century to, you know, first century Israel. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's one of those transitions that, that is just, that's just going to take us a bit of work in a couple of weeks. But in it all, I just want to say, you know, as we read the letter, we're going to trust in God's character. Do you know what I mean? We're going to trust in his character. And the key themes that are going to come out, I believe, in the next three weeks would be fellowship, would be grace, would be a new standing in Christ, and new purposes that we have in Christ. So some pretty good stuff. So, let's get cracking. Today, we have the, the whole first three verses to get into. Okay, so, so we're going slowly. Lee will appreciate this one. Three verses, depending on your translation, 45 words. Okay, so, so I thought, given that this is it, that we're going to try a bit of God's central corporate reading. Because it can't go too wrong over 45 words, is my thinking. <laughs> For, for those who have got any sort of public speaking or those sort of roles, you're probably going to tell me afterwards that was a bad idea, Ben, but we're going for it anyway, okay? So we're just going to, we're not going to read the word greeting, because that's always the title. We're just going to read Paul a prisoner down to the Lord Jesus Christ together in some sort of unity. 
<laughs> we up for, we up, we're all laughing already. This isn't a good sign, people. This isn't a good sign. Right, I'm going one, two, three, and then we're just going to laugh or we're going to read, okay? So, one, two, three. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphithia, our sister, and Agrippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well done, people. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're a God who is for us. You're a God who doesn't matter if we can't pronounce names because our names are written on your hands, oh God. And this morning, Father, we pray that Jesus would be glorified, that your kingdom would come, your will be done. Holy Spirit, as you've been with us, would you continue to be with us? Would you, would you help us to, to see our great high priest? Would you give us wisdom, knowledge, revelation from heaven, Father, that Jesus would be glorified and we would be edified? We ask that in his beautiful name. And everyone said, Amen. Okay. So other than our two words that were names, we did pretty well there, people. So that's 45 words done, three verses, okay? And uh, I don't know about you, but I, st I always start by, by reading the, the text. It's one of the things that, that I do when, when I'm looking at something. And the one thing that just grabbed me that coming out of there was the sense of relationship. You know, in those first words, there's a lot of relational words. You know, we, we've got brother up the top here. Okay, we've got beloved fellow worker, we've got sister, we've got fellow soldier. You know, you know there's a lot of relational in our house. And, uh, and the thing that grabbed me was that they're relational words. They're not business world words. And uh, I want to emphasize right at the start that the church of Jesus Christ is not a business. It's not a corporation. But we are, as has always been prayed this morning, a family. That we're a relational people. And relationships are key for us. They're God-given for us. That in the house of God, a church like God's Central, we should be known and we should get to know one another. You know, it's, you know that we can be more together than apart. We're called to, to build one another, to encourage one another, to pass on wisdom and ideas to one another, to share resources with one another, to correct one another, dare I say, to love one another, to sacrifice for one another, and much, much more. You get the, you get the picture. And uh, I'll let you into uh, <laughs> probably the worst kept secret in God's central, <laughs> okay? In that this very meeting, uh, the leaders work really hard to help us become a relational people. <laughs> you know, you might just think, well, we just wander in. But behind the scenes, there's stuff going on. Now, I don't ever want to critique a Cambridge uh, doctor or scholar, but when the Dr. Ruth last week here said that we had a refreshments addiction with three times, I was quite pleased, as was Ben. Because actually, we build the refreshments, the time we've just had, deliberately built to facilitate relationships. Do you know what I mean? You know, the monthly picnic, it's, it's there to build relationships. Even if someone does turn up with spicy sausages and get, give it to the wrong child. Um, but that was me last week, so it's a public apology. Okay, but our heart is for all to, to engage and I know it's hard because some of us are shy, some of us are extroverts, some of us love it, some of us hate it. But the point is that we can all find our fit in those things. And as a church, we are committed to working hard for relationships. You know, you know someone else said to me, but, you know, or to Ben and I, when we were out at a regional thing, you know, why do you guys have your midweek groups all over the place? 
And it's basically, so you can't use the excuse, I can't get to one. <laughs> you know, if I put it that bluntly, you know, you know we, we have Monday night, we have Tuesday night, we have Thursday morning, we have Thursday evening, we have Friday afternoon. You have, you have monthly Word Plus on Sunday nights. We have monthly prayer on Friday nights. You know, you know, however busy our lives are, there is space because we want to facilitate relationships. You know? Um, but let me get back to the text because I want to root all of that in the word, in those 45 words, but also in another passage from Ephesians when I'm going to get there. Because one of the things I've already said is that our Western 21st century minds sometimes can miss the magnitude of what actually the Apostle Paul was writing to his audience at the time. Because for us, it's like, well, Ben, that's lovely. You talk about relationships, that's right. Maybe I'll text someone and get you around for a meal or whatever. Uh, you know, because that's how we kind of reiterate. But let's go back to the actual people this was written to. Because what Paul is writing had a huge significance to the original audience. Because if we go back to the first century, we do not go back to first century and find a united people. We do not find culture the same as we have today. We have different races, we have different religions, we have different beliefs, and they did not work harmoniously. Okay? And so... As the church, and we're going to unpack this in a little bit, so this is like the 30 second, then I'm going to try and unpack it in about 10 minutes, and then we're going to worship God. But as the church was formed, it came out of Israel, the Jews, and then it went to the Gentiles. Now, now there was a huge barrier here, which we're going to look at. You know, this wasn't just like me talking to, I don't know, the posh person at the end of my road. That's quite a big barrier for Ben Clark in Western, in Western Harlow. You know? That's nothing compared to the cultural shift that we were dealing with here. You know, we talk about, I don't get on with a certain type of people. That's nothing compared to what we're about to unpack that the gospel was hitting. You know? And I think I want to just take us back a bit so we understand the magnitude of what Paul's saying, that these words of brother, beloved fellow worker, sister, and fellow soldier to people possibly of a different race or ethnicity are massive. Okay? And, in, in, and therefore mean the family nature, the relationships we have within church are even more. That actually what Paul is saying is that everything is in Christ. What I'm going to point to this morning is everything is in Christ. It was actually Menard was praying it already this morning. You know, it's all in him. And where we're going to go for, just to, get, just to ground and then expand this a bit, is Ephesians chapter 2, okay, which will come up behind me. Um, but I'm going to read this slowly, and then I'm going to unpack it. We, we, unfortunately, we haven't got just 45 words here. We, we've got a whole 10 verses, okay? So again, it's not massive, but it is a little bit more. But I really trust that we can read this, and then it will do us humongously amounts of good, okay? So starting, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles, that's non-Jews in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Already, you can see the separation. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For in himself is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall. 
that's what Jenna mentioned earlier, of hostility. By abolishing the law of the commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So, one instead of two. So, making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Thereby killing the hostility between mankind. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off. And peace, and peace sorry, to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, the whole being is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. Massively powerful passage, and yet I still want to go deeper. Because, again, we can read about hostility and alienation. We can understand that there were the circumcised, the Jews, and the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, and you'd fit in one category or the other. But probably like me, mainly in the, most of us would probably fit in Gentiles. We can understand, therefore, that we were aliens, we were strangers, we were outside. But to what degree was Paul writing in? And I want to say a horrible, horrible place of hostility. Verse 12, okay, is the verse I'm going to major in on. It uses the key word separated, okay? Separated, or in other translations, you might have estranged, alienated. Um, uh, what else came up in different ones? I think it was estranged, alienated, separated. Uh, they were the main things, okay? And what we've got to realize is that that is huge, okay? There's a divide that they're saying between one group of people and another, and this exclusion, this separation ran really deep in Israel's heritage, in their history. Um, they had, the Israelites had ritual laws, we know that, for cleansing and customs to prevent them becoming unclean. Do you mean, you know, they were, they were, as far as they saw it, they were God's chosen people with a sovereign plan. And they, they were right in that, that they were called to be a light to the nations. S on the end, just for anyone who can't understand my list. Okay, uh, it's not one nation, it's nations. Okay, and what had happened is they should have been showing the glory of God. That was the beautiful promise through Abraham. You know, they'd be a father to nations, and yet it had gone wrong. The tragedy, you know, and I use that deliberate word, is that Israel had lost sight of her calling and her vocation, and uh, and had just got sidetracked. You know, it happens to us all. So don't let's start judging them because you and I will have been sidetracked at something in the last week. It may just have been something as simple as I meant to do this and I did that. But, but mankind, we often get caught up in the wrong thing. And Israel had taken their privileged position in God, and it had kind of become a bit twisted, a bit, a bit ended up putting them above everyone else. And again, let me just be careful here, because at times we tend to also put ourselves in competition or in a different ranking with other people. So let's just be gracious with them, but let's also unpick where we're going. Okay, the following quote here by William Barclay um, will give you an idea of where the Jews had come to with regards to the Gentiles. And I'm going to read it, and it's going to come up, I think, again behind it. But, it said, but William Barclay writes, The Jew had immense contempt for the Gentile. Doesn't sound good. The Gentiles, said the Jews, were created by God to be the fuel for the fires of hell. 
God, they said, loves only Israel of all the nations he has made. It was not even lawful to render help to a Gentile mother in her hour of sourest need, for that would simply be to bring another Gentile into the world. Until Christ came, the Gentiles were an object of contempt to the Jews. The barrier between them was absolute. If a Jewish boy married a Gentile girl, or a Jewish girl married a Gentile boy, the funeral of that Jewish boy or girl was carried out. Such contact with a Gentile was the equivalent of death. That's way beyond where we would want to be. You know, that's the context that this is being written into. Okay? So Gentiles of old, me, you maybe, we had a, we had a, a double alienation, as I want to call it. You know, one from God, because we're kind of outside at the moment, but also from God's people. And uh, in the passage we read in Ephesians 2, and Jenna in a beautiful prayer earlier, mentioned walls. And dividing walls are, are really interesting. Because in verse 14, it talks about a temple wall. And I want to stay to my notes here so I don't dr drift, okay? But the imagery, therefore, is the original readers would have been of Herod's temple. Okay? They'd have known that because it still stood. And in it existed a dividing wall. So this is the wall that he's going to. And, and I want to just go further. So we can imagine the temple, okay, it, itself, it's constructed. Uh, and in the middle, there's a raised platform, okay? And round it, on a raised level, was the court of the priests. So, so for, for the, the elite, the clergymen of the time, the, there, there was the first level on a court going round, okay? Uh, okay, beyond that, east of that, would have been a court of Israel, where any Jewish male could worship, and yet further to the east would have been a court for Jewish women. So you've got, you've got your priests, your clergy, then got Jewish men, Jewish women. Okay? And then from that elevated level, there would have been five steps down to a walled platform all around the temple. And from the other side of that wall, another 14 steps went down the wall to the other side of it, and you arrived at the outer court also known as the court of the Gentiles. One level, down, wall, down, Gentiles. And that wall was approximately a metre and a half high. So it's not like your normal like, three-foot fence panel, you can lean over to talk to your neighbour. metre and a half. Massively taller than even me. You're looking up. Segregation. Okay? And if, that, if you didn't get it from the actual layout, but on the wall... <laughs> inscribed in both Greek and Latin to make sure that Gentiles could understand it. <laughs> okay, the words written were, no foreigner may enter within the barrier and enclosure around the temple. Anyone caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. Friendly bunch, eh? <laughs> Trespassers executed. That's the concept, the backdrop that we're dealing with here. Yeah? It is that, you know, Paul is going to say that we're accepted in Christ as one saviour, that as enemies of God we deserve death, but now we are reconciled. And actually, you know, what Paul is saying here is that everything is in Christ. Forget the division. Forget the fact that you're, you were not worthy. Everyone is now worthy. There's a great levelling. The dividing wall has gone. That, that, that there is now a place where there is no exclusion. There is no segregation. That, that because of Christ... 
all are welcomed in. There is now a new global community called the church, called Christians, called Jesus followers in whatever way. And a fair few of you look out at me, looking at me now. You know, that those of us who were outside are now welcomed in. That there is no dividing wall. There is no exclusion from us to God or from us to God's people because we are his people. We are filled with his spirit and that's what caused us to cry out, Abba, Father. You know, that a new community was formed and it was radically different to the old community. That's what I've been trying to paint the picture of. It's radically different in the fact that, that all of us here, we would long for the 100,000 people in Harlow to, to get to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And because of Christ, that is possible. That's the huge... That, that, that anyone can walk through that door. There's no 14 steps. There's no metre and a half wide. Occasionally the door might jam, but that's just us messing around with the electric button. Yeah? There is no division. You, are you tracking with me here? You know, that what people had to put up with is gone. The arms of our God are wide and open for all who would come in. You know, Revelation chapter 5, you know, climax is, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. With your blood, you purchased men and women from God from every tribe and every language and every nation. It's one of the celebrations we have, isn't it, as the modern church. It's international days. It's moving in different things. And, you know, Christ did that. You know, and that's what Paul is emphasizing back there in Ephesians verse 15, that there's now a deliberate unification, okay, that Christ has made his way, that we are gathered here along with brothers and sisters worldwide, <laughs> and we have a nearness to God that would have been impossible for some of those readers to understand. Just have a, a nearness... That, 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 that just couldn't comprehend. That the, and, and now imagine being part of the early church, either in Ephesians or one of the recipients of the letter to Philemon. Think what you're wrestling with. That that's the culture around, and yet you're called to something else. And all of a sudden you start to see the, the, the family, the relationship language, and the power it has. Because outside is division. Outside is racism, outside is segregation, and inside <laughs> there's unity in Christ that transcends totally what is going on outside. You know, the, it, it's such a stark contrast that I cannot get my head around it in, in, in my lifetime. I have no way of picturing it to you, hence I'm working so hard. But, but now you imagine opening the letter to Philemon, you're gathered with your mates in the church, and it starts by talking about a brother in Christ. And you're thinking... Do you know what I mean? That's just, it's just taking you a place that you've never been in your life. You know? And another person's a sister. And you're thinking, but they, they're, they're from a different nation. Or they're a different ethnicity. Or they're, no, we're now one. And, and, and that's the greatness. But you can imagine the wrestling in the early days. It's, you know, Paul's talking about you know, a new community, a new hope, a new relational thing. And, and they're like, Wow! You know, literally, like, you know, how big a shift is this, you know, from the world around? You know, I had, a, I, had a, I had the privilege of meeting someone a couple of weeks ago for coffee. And uh, as I rolled out, I'd never met him before. Uh, we traded a few messages to actually arrange. And, and he rolls up, and he's much more astute than me. And he said to me, you know, he said, on the way in, he said, I was just praying and giving thanks to God for you, Ben. And I was like, oh, 
That's nice. <laughs> I was waking up. Um, but, and he said, because I realized I was meeting a brother in Christ who I'll spend eternity with. And you know what? It blew my cappuccino away. Do you know what I mean? You know, literally, that, that that's the relationship. That I have, I have earthly family, do you know what I mean? And I have a God-given family. And this guy I've never met. But we're going to spend eternity together because of Jesus. You know, that I don't know if our, plan, if our paths will cross again this earth. I really don't. Okay? But what I do know is <laughs> that God knows him. He knows God. It's beautiful. That I'm trusting the same. And that we trust, therefore, in a unity in him. You know, <laughs> blows my mind. Blows my mind. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me, get, let me move on, because I could go on about that, but I'm getting the vibe that we're there. Other phrases that, 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 that screamed out of the text. Fellow worker, or beloved fellow worker, sorry, and fellow soldier. <laughs> beloved. I did a little, bit of a, a little bit of English work on this one. Uh, and it basically means to be loved very much. Nothing, nothing amazing, okay? But it goes further than that. So to be loved means to be loved very much. Fellow means a person in the same position or otherwise associated with. And I just want to pause on that. Fellow, a person in the same position. Well, to the original reader, they'd all been in the same position, same as you and I. Before we knew Christ, we're all in the same position. Eternity, not looking good. And now, because of Christ, we're all in the same position again with a hope and a purpose that we have eternity with God. And so all of a sudden, this word, this word fellow just came alive to me. That yes, you know, we are in fellowship because we are one another and we have that same position. God doesn't look at, at me any differently to he looks at, at Ben or Sarah or Chippo or Jim. or Lisa. You know, He looks at us through Christ, that we all have the same standing. Do you know what I mean? It's not about the stuff you do. No, our standing is in Christ. Everything is paid. And it's a beautiful phrase that we need to somehow bring back because it does sound a bit sandals and cheesy. But fellowship is a big deal. Same as brother and sister. Yeah, which kind of were massive in the church sort of four or five hundred years ago and have kind of been pushed out a little bit, dare I say, because they maybe don't fit. But actually, they're so key for us because it is the relationship we have. You know? Uh, we have a hope, the same hope. That's what, that's what Paul's driving at here with this fellowship. And you know, the hope he expands himself in 1 Thessalonians 4. And, uh, you know, this is well read, uh, but it says... But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, <laughs> that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. You know, it's the hope that goes beyond the grave that we love, that we hang into. Uh, if I give James a little heads up, he might want to come back and we'll go into worship in a minute. But beloved, <laughs> we're loved very much by one another and by God. It's not one or the other. It's that unification of people but also unification with God. Fellowship. Yes, we are indeed the same standing. And what about worker and soldier? So I don't want to miss out those words because they were deliberate, chosen as well. Well, I think worker, because there's a work to be done. You know, Jesus makes it quite clear, doesn't he? That, 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 that we are called 
to live out his gospel, to live out our lives, to bring others to him, to extend his kingdom, to facilitate things, to talk to friends, family, neighbours, to be a people who just act differently and bring hope that there's a serving and a working that comes naturally in their life there. And also, as believers, as we come together, there's a work to be done. You know, you've got to bless people like Dan, who was doing refreshments earlier. I was supposed to be, but didn't get there, so that's my kind of apology to it. Uh, you know, bless those who are on welcome. Bless all the, all the seven folk who are out there doing under-11s work at the moment. You know, we're more together than apart because there's a work to be done where, where the way that you and I are wired, God brings it together so that the whole is bigger than the parts. Soldier, really interesting language. But the Bible, and Paul particularly, often talks about battle language, which fits this morning, that, that we are in a battle. You know, there's sometimes the battle is to stand, sometimes the battle is to advance, but, but, you know, but it's not physical weaponry we use, it's spiritual. You know, again, Paul puts it in 1 Timothy 6, 12, you know, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you're called and about which you've made good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And we're called to fight the good fight for the advance of the gospel and the kingdom of God in, in our lives, in the lives of those around us, and in our beautiful town and the nations we'll touch. That we should be praying for one another. We should be praying for kingdom advance because it's all in Christ. And although I've talked a lot about us all in Christ and all together in Christ, I want to really bring it into land in the last minute and say that actually the root of all of that, the anchor of all that, is who you as an individual are in Christ. Because our security comes from our hope in Him. That everything else builds upon that. Do you mean, if, if we have no individual foundation, then we, then we rock and roll. And it, you know, we can pick each other up, and that's what we're called to do. But it's the individual that it stems from of knowing that, that, that we are children of God, that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we are welcomed in to the Holy of Holy, where angels fear to tread, where 2,000 years ago, we were not allowed at all. <laughs> we are welcomed in. Red carpet, balloons, party poppers, you know, that's, we are welcomed in. We are delighted over as we come in. Not because you're anything special, but because Jesus was ultimately and eternally special. Because he paid a price. He made a way where there was no way. So that all of mankind who choose to follow him can welcome in. That you are loved by God. That you are beloved, very loved by God. In fact, can you just say after me? I am beloved by God. I am beloved by God. That was been me, Jill, and Jim. I am beloved by God. I am beloved by God. Now, like we actually might mean it. I am beloved by God. I am beloved by God. Okay, let's stand and we're going to worship and uh, and we're going to sing about who we are in Christ. And this is this is declaration. This is us rooting ourselves into Him and saying, God, I thank you for making us a new people in You. Now would you be glorified? Now would you be glorified? For some of us, this is going to be a struggle. So it may just be stand and just let the words minister to you. For others of us, God's just going to be doing a rewiring as to who you are. Because if you're here today, 
You know, we love you, we're for you. We'd love you to be more part of us. We'd love you to serve and, and get to know your God's central family and get netted in. Do you mean? And I think there are some who, you know, God's just going to reignite hopes and dreams, things that were in the past, that, that your identity, you know, has maybe got tarnished in life situations and God would just set you afresh. So we're going to worship uh, and then we're, I'm just going to ask Menard and a couple of others. We're just going to just going to see if God speaks or, where, or what God speaks, more to the point. And then we'll sing again and we will take up the offering before we go. But let's just really lift up our voices. Let's declare how good God is and who we are in Him.